Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Zero to 60, the afternoon edition here at 2 p.m. on this Thursday afternoon. I'm getting ready for Thursday Night Football tonight and returning to the lab this afternoon uh, to get some more uh, work in. I'm your host, Matt McChesney, as always. Bree Maces is off this afternoon. Make sure you follow her at Bree Maces 303. She did a great job on a UK podcast the other night in, in England, in bloody England of all places, uh, talking about the Broncos and the Lions. It was pretty cool. Today's uh, guest is pretty awesome. Uh, waiting for my boy Jeremy Bloom to get off the ski slopes uh, and get into the waiting room here uh, on the show. But it's great to have Jeremy Bloom on the show this afternoon to talk all things buffs. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, to say the least. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's it'll be good to get his perspective. As you know, a little over a year ago, uh, we were sitting in the in the uh, Dow Ward Center, you know, in, in in the conference room in there, whatever you want to call it, uh, watching Coach Prime get introduced, and it was me and him and Tufts just standing there, kind of in awe of what we were watching. So I'd like to get his recap of the last year and everything he's seen. And then, you know, talk about the future and uh, what we expect out of our Colorado Buffalo. So uh, the comments, roll them in today if you have any questions. Again, we're just waiting on Jeremy to get into the uh, the feed here, uh, <clears throat> unless he forgot about us, which I doubt. Um, look, I will say this. If you have any questions about CU right now, you want to talk about any of this at the moment, uh, just shoot some comments in as we wait for Jay. Uh, but remember that everything here uh, on the show on Zero to 60 on the Believe Network is brought to you by our good friends at Bet Online. They do a great job. Make sure you use the promo codes BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, uh, and you'll get $50 back on your first deposit. Uh, it's a nice little bonus, and you can go and bet about anything uh, from the NFL to the NHL, the UFC, uh, I mean, hell, bro, if, if you could bet on hot dog eating contests, I bet that bet online would be able to get you taken care of there. So make sure you use the promo code BLEAV. Uh, they do a great job of supporting the show, and we are damn proud to have them on. So we are rolling here on 0-60, to 60, and the man, the myth, the legend is in the house. Let's make this show a lot better looking. There he is. Yeah, <laughs> a whole lot better looking, that's for damn sure. Jeremy Bloom's in the house. My man, JB, what the hell is going on with you well if it's a hot dog eating competition i'm betting on you not me so let's just get that <laughs> yeah i do like me a hot dog i'm not gonna lie <laughs> uh all right well look bro thanks for taking the time to do this today and i've talked to the, the folks here on zero to 60 about colorado uh you know and the buffaloes and everything coach prime it's a, a hot button topic there's no doubt um i was just saying to everybody before we before we brought you on jake like a year ago, like a week and a half, maybe later, we were, the three of us, you, me, and Sean, were sitting there watching Coach Prime get introduced, kind of in awe about, like, what was, like, holy shit, this is actually happening. Uh, just talk a little bit about uh, the last year, I guess, but just elaborate on that one, that, that one moment a year now later. Could you have expected the 
just onslaught that the University of Colorado is now under. I mean, from a from a scrutiny perspective, from a expectations perspective. I mean, this is where we want to be, I'm sure. But what do you think about the last year? I mean, when Carl Durrell was let go by Rick George and you sort of, you know, Rick was back into, you know, searching for another head coach. I don't know how many in three years, but three or four. I mean, it was a bit of a carousel. You know, I I talked to Rick. I said, you got to go hire Coach Prime. And I'm sure other people did as well and ended up introducing those two. But it, it was the unthinkable. Why? Because Deion Sanders, I don't think he ever saw snow. And I, I knew he never played in it. But this is a guy that grew up in Fort Myers, Florida, that was living in Texas, that, you know, these the mountains of Boulder, Colorado are different. You know, that cold hits different here. We're 5,000 feet, right? And a whole a whole host of other, you know, challenges to get him here from, from Jackson. So that the day that you're referencing, we're, we're sort of sitting there watching him, you know, be introduced as the next head football coach at the University of Colorado. It was both surreal in that regard, but but also surreal for me, Chez, because like, he was my hero growing up. And man, I was a two sport athlete, right? So it was Bo Jackson and it was primetime Deion Sanders. Those were the two posters I had, like that was it. And so, you know, to watch him with the black and gold and the CU, it's still sort of surreal when I see him with the Letterman jacket or like all this cool gear that he has. And then, you know, we, we all were witness to, to what happened and, you know, college game day being back in Boulder first time since the nineties, Big noon, Fox, big noon Fox kickoff, primetime games. You beat TCU in Fort Worth, Texas. All of a sudden, here we go. That that thing is is really rolling. You got more people coming into Boulder than ever before. Chamber of Commerce said over $100 million of additional revenue came into this town during the football season because of Coach you know, Deion Sanders. But they went from the highest to the highest and sort of the lowest to lowest. I mean, the back half of the season was was, was pretty tough. That being said, this was a team that won one game before he was here and lost five games in that backstretch of the season by seven points or less. So, you know, like, and you could see the weakness was the offensive line and defensive line. And look what has happened now, just as the portal has opened, the floodgates have opened. I mean, the whole offensive line is rebuilt from players who are good players that were starting at their respective, you know, colleges, and those types of things, including the top, I think the top offensive linemen recruit in high schoolers Jordan right? Seaton, the number one offensive lineman in the country and the five-star Jordan Seaton. He's early enrolling. So that will kind of like suffice his red shirt. And you know, it, you know, you and I both know it's a man's game, but that's a grown man at even at 18 it years old. Like he's, he's, I can't he's believe a, high school senior. He's a dude. Uh, and then, you know, they went out and hit the transfer portal hard and they got some good players. And then they went out and hired, I don't know if you remember this name, but Phil Lodehold, he played tackle at, at, at Fountain Fort Carson down here in the Springs and then played at Oklahoma for Beatonbaugh and then went to the league for a while, blocked for Adrian Peterson in Minnesota. And now he's first, he's the first year head coach or first year offensive line coach in Boulder. And I, I know I've known Phil for a long time and he's bringing that Oklahoma mindset and scheme a little bit to, to what they're going to do. Let me ask you this then, Jeremy. The, the, you know, the switched offensive coordinators, Coach Lewis goes and gets a head coaching job, which is what every good assistant does. He's a good assistant. That's what he did. Um, that looking like they're going to keep Patty Boy as the as the offensive coordinator. You, you played in college systems. You played in several pro systems. 
don't how do you feel about Shador's development, the offensive line in a pro system rather than a spread system? How do you think they're gonna go uh moving forward here? Well, Pat was a coach of mine when I was with the Philadelphia Eagles. He he comes from the Andy Reid protege, so so I know I know him quite well. Spent spent a couple seasons with him. So he wasn't our offensive coordinator, so I can't specifically say like, you know, what what he would be like calling plays, but he's a really capable guy that comes from a great, great coaching lineage. As it relates to Shador, like he proved everybody last year what he could do. And, and he did so with no time to throw the ball. I mean, the biggest surprise for me of all last season was the game against TCU of how quickly he got the ball out of his hands. Because I think you, me, or the rest of you know, anyone who follows the program is like, yeah, he, he can probably throw the rock, but he's going to have any time to do it. And, and that's where Sean Lewis came out of that game looking like a genius. I mean, he was the talk of the nation. Like, wow, look at the game plan that Sean Lewis put together. Look at Shador Sanders getting his getting the ball out of the hand, you know, within one, two seconds. Um, but then sort of defenses caught on to, like, you know, how you can stop that. They brought the safeties down. They took away the short passing game. They said, you got to beat us deep. We're going to blitz a couple linebackers. We're not going to let you throw the ball. We're not going to give you enough time to throw it down the field. And then the rest of the season, Shador was sort of, you know, scrambling and running for his his, his life. Um, but I think I think Pat's going to do a good job. I, I think Shador is really excited about this, the possibility of this new line, you know, a very capable line. He's obviously got playmakers in plethora on the on the everywhere. on the everywhere. Like running back, receiver, slot receiver, you name it. You're always Dion's always going to get the best guys there. Like that's the easy thing. Like Deion Sanders can recruit those guys in his sleep. The hard thing for Coach Prime was to get the big guys. And it's funny because I and I still have the text message. One of the first text messages I sent to Deion Sanders when he was named head coach, I said, "We've always got good skilled players here in Colorado. Always go back." You can go back forever. We, we can, we, anybody can get the fast receivers, the cornerbacks and the safeties. Nobody. And I would underline nobody has done a good job getting five-star offensive and defensive linemen here. And that is the key to, 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 to making Colorado um, a playoff contending college program and a, and a potential national champion. Um, and look, so. look at the era that we played in together there. I mean, Coach Barnett, we, we didn't we know we were getting five stars, but damn it. No, but we had dogs. There were dogs everywhere from Andre Gerard and Victor Rogers, right. Dan Graham, who's an extension of the line, to Brayton yep. and Bannon. You and Brayton. Coach Dude. Barnett got I mean, Coach Barnett understood that, but like he wasn't going to get the five stars because they just don't come. They didn't come to Colorado, and Coach Barnett sort of couldn't. But he, he got dogs like you. And turned them into five stars, developed them into five stars. And, you know, we, you know, that coaching staff did a great job. I think you would agree, developing talent, getting three star guys, getting them to be four star guys, getting two star guys, getting them to be four star guys, and, and, and so on and so forth. All right. So let me ask you this uh, Travis Hunter, I've never really seen anything like him. I played both ways in the NFL in practice, but I damn sure never played in the game. <laughs> <laughs> but like so like I you know I, I played a lot of defensive line my whole life and then when I got into the league they moved me to offense after my second year so I played in a ton of games on defense and a ton of games on offense but I never went and played 25 snaps of nose tackle and then 75 snaps of guard you know what I'm saying like that watching him this year seeing him first team all-american you know obviously warranted uh, I think probably the front runner for the Heisman next year, him and Shador have got to be in the top five, both of them. I don't know how you keep them out. I mean, have you ever seen anything like Travis Hunter before we get back to the offense and Shador a little bit? 
I've never seen a more athletic football player on a football field. And I played with some you know pretty incredible people, Brian Dawkins, Brian Westbrook, Donovan McNabb, Troy Polamalu, Heinz War. I mean, these are the guys I short, sort of saw, you know, practice. And he's just he he's his body control, like his ability to control his body in space going a million miles an hour is something I've never seen. It's like he's in slow motion and everybody else is sort of like in fast speed. And he, you know, he can twist and turn and like find the ball and, and, and make it look so effortlessly. And I was talking to Coach Barnett at practice this past year. And I'm like, you know, what do you think about this guy? And, he, and he, even he said, he said he's never seen anything like him at any level. So I think he's got NFL Hall of Fame talent. It's just a matter of like, can he stay healthy and how much does he love the game? It seems like he loves the game, but, but, you know, sometimes people sort of burn out and like they find other interests or whatever. I'm just grateful he's in Boulder, man. And like, it's it, how fun is it that we get to watch him play for the CU buffs? Cause if it weren't for, you know, Deion Sanders, everybody, he will, he would not be here. He is the only reason that he's here is because he's got a, you know, father son like relationship with Deion. Hey, let me, okay. So the, here, you're a Colorado guy. You played at Loveland, right? Yes. All right, I'm a Colorado guy. I played at Niwot. All right, we played with a lot of other really proud Colorado kids that wanted to wear black and gold because they grew up Colorado fans. Right? There's a there's a even in Colorado Buffalo country, which anybody that knows me knows what I bleed. It's black and gold. Yeah. There's a disconnect between Coach Prime fans that are now Colorado fans. And Colorado fans that have always been Colorado fans that are so glad Coach Prime's our head coach that kind of just like adopted him in and were like, this is incredible, right? How do we merge these two together so people that understand when you're criticizing the program and saying, like you said, and I've said a hundred times, the offensive line is porous, it needs to improve, Shador's getting killed. Imagine how good he could be behind five pros like they went and just got. Why do you think there's so much vitriol behind Coach Prime when he's criticized rather than just understanding the criticism is more about the football team, not necessarily Coach Prime in the Colorado side of things, but also like from a national media perspective, he is one hot button topic, bro. Is it just because he's him? Yeah, I think he's a polarizing figure, right? For for a number of reasons. One, you know, what he did on the football field and the baseball field. I mean, he he's one of the best athletes of all time. And I don't think it's, that's not even debatable, like no, to be able to do what he did at, on, on both levels. So, you know, he, he's going to come with that spotlight, you know, I think as it relates to like, you know, why can't you criticize him? Like you can criticize other guys. I, to me, that's a lot of noise. I, I don't, I don't really sort of pay attention to that. I, he, he's used to being criticized. He's used to being in the public eye. It doesn't bother him. He doesn't care what you know people think about about him. And I also don't think that he he thinks he should be immune to criticism. I really don't. I, I don't think I, I don't think he don't. believes that. I know. I yeah. Agree. So so all the look. Anytime you give three hundred fifty million people in this country a, a microphone and call it Twitter and say you know you can say whatever you want, like and you don't even have to put your real name on there. Photo like you're gonna you're just gonna get a lot of that noise. And you know whether it's Coach Prime or it's the Olympics or. You know, whatever the case may be, whatever the topic the the jour of, of of Twitter is, I just don't really pay attention to it that much. So I, I don't really know. I I think I think he's fair game just like any other coach, any other program. I think you can get a call how, as you see it. 
Amen, brother. Uh, the great Jeremy Bloom joining us here on Zero to 60 on the Believe Network. Thank you for everybody watching. Make sure you like and subscribe. Make sure you follow JB all over social media. He ain't hard to find, just like Coach Prime. All right, uh, Jeremy, we'll ask you a couple more, and we'll get you out of here. Um, you, you, In 2003, you played on a very, very explosive offensive football team with McCoy and DJ Hackett and yourself and Purify and Brian Calhoun. And, and it was Clatt's first year starting, and he was lighting up, you know, the, the airwaves. And it, it was a team where, you know, the on defense, and we'll take accountability for this, we struggled immensely covering the pass, and we were in a lot of shootouts, and we were five and seven. And I, I remember the training the next year until all the way until you had to stand in front of us and tell us that the NCAA robbed you of your, your future with us how hard and how much work we put in to make sure everybody knew the football team we really were. And I feel like the, this team this year, they went through, you said it when we started, brother, seven, I, I mean, they had eight losses. I'd say six of their eight losses are by one score, including yeah. in Salt Lake City, a place where there's been a house of horrors for us. So how do you think this team's going to respond going into the offseason, especially with all, all of the outside noise? I know you don't pay attention to it, but it's loud. Um, how do you think they're going to respond just based on, you know, the your own history at the university going on a team that I thought underachieved and was really good uh, moving into the next season? This is a bowl-eligible team next year. I have no yeah. doubt about it. I don't have any doubt about that. I really don't. And, and I think that, look, there's going to be some really healthy – scar tissue from these players from last year that they're going to feel next year. And they're going to want to play even harder and better and win those close games in the fourth quarter to make sure that they don't get up back on a you know six game slide, like, like, like they got on this year. And anytime you feel the pain of losing and a lot of these guys haven't lost a lot. I mean, they, the, some of them came from Jackson state. They won all through high school, never lost in high school, went to Jackson state, Jackson state didn't lose. Right. And then came to Colorado. Like this is the first time they've ever experienced losing and losing sucks, man. But losing, losing is the best motivator to learn how to win. And, and so I, I think you got that working for, for, for you. I think you got a bunch of new players, you know, this until they figure out what's happening with the transfer portal, you can just, it's free agency and go get whoever you want. So it's, you know, it's fun. We'll embrace it while it lasts. <laughs> and I don't think they're done yet. I, I, I think there's more players coming here. You know, Dude. like, do you? Well, considering that, you know, I know you're behind the scenes, you're not going to give anything away. I also think there's more players come here. Are you are you pretty happy with the support that you've seen from our community, the Buffalo community out there from from coast to coast? Without question. Without yeah. question. Buff Nation Good. has stood up and answered the call and, and, and also written some checks to to the NIL collectives, both the one at CU and, 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 and 5430. And so, you know, like these are important they, you know, gone are the days where you, you know, you can just be a casual fan. If you really care and you really want, you got to write a $10 check, five, like whatever you can give. Like it doesn't have to be but like these, these pay, these players are, are, are getting paid by, by NIL in the not too distant future. Next couple of years, you will absolutely see universities put some players under contract. That is where we're headed. That's where the whole system's going. And look, I think that's good for the sport because I don't think anybody really loves the fact that a, a, a college athlete can transfer anytime that they want every single year. Or I don't even think fans really like when a high school commit comes out and says, I'm playing at this school and then backs out of that commitment. Well, the only way that you can solidify that commitment is to put them under contract. 
and say, okay, well, you're going to commit to this university for four years. We're going to pay you X. We're going to negotiate some terms just like at any other league in any other sport. And then you can sort of say, all right, well, you can't transfer because you're, you're under contract. It's not going to be for everybody. You'll see a couple players, you know, the, the most important players being under contract. You build your rosters from there. Um, <clears throat> I got to ask you this question because I've never in my life seen a friend of mine, a brother of mine get as screwed as you did, but then also handle it like the fucking leader you are because you didn't bitch or moan. You didn't cry. You didn't make it about yourself. You talked about your team and how much you were going to miss us and you would still be there supporting blah, blah, blah. It gives me goosebumps. Like I'm going to cry just talking about it right now. I can remember like it was yesterday. Yeah. It That said, in the era we played in, we didn't have NIL and transfer portals and there was no, there was no rights for players. It was, here's your no, start. No. Do, do your job or we're like, we've got you by the balls. There's, you ain't going anywhere. You want to transfer, you got to sit out a year unless you're Marquisa Houston, so on and so forth. How, how much do you think a players union in college football would have helped a guy like you? How much do you think it would have helped us? Do you think it's ever something that's feasible? Will they ever understand the true power they have to negotiate with the TV contracts the way that they should be negotiating rather than just looking at the fan bases for help with the money. How about use the money raised by all the TV networks the way the NFL does? Do you ever think that they'll unionize enough and be ever on enough on the same page? Or does the NCAA want the Wild West so they make this a bunch of fractured individuals that aren't thinking about the unionization of the sport? How do you feel about that? I think there's very little question that, you, that we will see a players union for football and basketball. The power five level. I, I, I think it's it, it's almost um, deterministic that that's going to happen because what's happening right now. I don't know if you saw this, Chess, but the NCAA tried to do what they always used to do and add restrictions upon players that coaches, administrators, and their fellow students don't have. And what they basically said is, you can transfer once, but once you once you transfer once, you're you're done transferring, which. I get it. Like that's sort of common sense. I don't have pro I don't have a problem with the 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 philosophy of that. The problem is that is placing upon um, antitrust restrictions to a United States citizen. Forget about the fact that they're a college player. It's a U.S. citizen, and you're placing upon them an antitrust violation pre pre um, preclusion from doing something for them to, to to earn money or whatever. And so the attorney general here in Colorado, Phil Weiser. Uh, myself and seven other states, we, we filed a lawsuit. Two days ago, filed a lawsuit. The next day, the judge in West Virginia granted injunctive relief so that the NCAA can't do that. And so what's, what's, what's happening is super clear. The NCAA, who, who used to get away with this you know, idea of amateurism by placing upon all these crazy restrictions, you mentioned when we played, it's not that we didn't even have rights. We gave our own name, image, and likeness, our own civil rights over to the NCAA. It's crazy. We had to sign the contract. You own our name, image, and likeness. That's insanity. Like, that is insanity. Now we know it. But so it, what's not going to work for the NCAA is to place these restrictions upon players like they're going to – it's not going to work anymore. So the only path forward to make sense of all this madness and get away from the wild, wild west of people leaving anytime that they want – these are young kids – is – is, is it's the professionalization of the of the big time college sports, football and, and basketball. 
And, you know, that's going to happen. Players will be under contract. There'll be player unions, those types of things, just like you see in any leagues. And I think that'll be very good for college football and basketball. Me too, brother. I mean, the earning potential in our lives as athletes is so slim. Correct. It's got to be maximized. And if your best work is done, just think about if you're Johnny Manziel, and I, I'm maybe a bad example. He played in college, right? Exactly. Yeah. He he was awesome in college. He had all all of his revenue and everything that could drive him was in college, and he had to do it like under the books, you know, like tax evasion style, like oil money style, in order to get paid for autographs. That and that also is a very bad example to set when you're moving forward into the next phase of your life when you don't think the rules apply to you. So. Cool boy. Um, I definitely think the players union is something that they've got to get handled and figured out in college football. These guys need agents. They need real representation. There needs to be real documentation. And I, I agree with you 100%. And I really hope it happens. Hey, we've got some questions here and some great comments. A bunch of people liking the show here. I, I want to bring this one up because this is something that I've talked about, I don't know, probably 30, 40 times on different shows. And I get a lot of blowback on it. Uh, it's about the fight song. All right. Now, I know you were in you were in the locker room for a couple of games afterwards, same way I was. You know, they didn't sing the fight song after they beat TCU. And I think they were just so elated. They just I, I don't know, maybe it's a brand new team. There's four guys in there from the old regime. No one thought to sing it. it that's crazy to me. That seems like that would have been the most ruckus fight song ever. The you know, after they beat uh Nebraska, we sang it, but it was you know, it was what it was the first time. We'll put it like that. They didn't really understand what they were singing. CSU, they didn't even sing it. Offset came on and started singing or some shit. So, and that's pretty cool too. But at the same time, old school, old heads like you and I, guys from Colorado, I keep saying to everyone in the fan base and in the stands, like the song that you hear where you get to curse at the end next to grandma and you're like, fuck them up, fuck them up. Goes, oh, I curse next to grandma. <laughs> That's not our fucking song. That's not the way we get down. I know you remember being a rookie and going up there and clapping and everybody like, hey, and you start singing and all of a sudden it's booze and you're getting shit thrown at you and everybody comes down and the entire group comes together and it turns into the fucking who day and it gets real ruckus. And that's the song that I think they need up there to bring everyone that maybe doesn't understand why we think the way we think into it. I got to get your opinion on this, bro, just because I know it means a little bit more to guys like us than it does in this generation. Well, I think in the days that we were playing, the fight song was incredibly meaningful because it meant you won. It meant you took care of business and you couldn't wait to get the locker room to sing the fight song. For me, it was more about the fact we won and maybe less about the fight song, but it was sim symbolic for us and probably most players of the past. But you got to realize that, you know, when Deion Sanders came here, how many transfer players did he bring in? Like 60, like 80, 80 guys that don't know nothing about CEO. Like when you and I were playing, we had a bunch of Colorado people there that, you know, Colorado kids. We went to a bunch of the games. We knew all the traditions. We, we, you know, we, we, we got it. These are, these are a bunch of Florida and Texas kids that you know they don't they don't have the same imprinting that that we had but i'll tell you this much if given the choice to either a sing the fight song after a win or b have little wayne lead us through the tunnel 
before we played a game, I would take B because that's the relevancy of our program right now. So, like, I don't know. Maybe we're playing ticky-tacky. Well, I think we could do both. Little Wayne could come swing it with us. And we could do both. Yeah, like I think we just got to embrace the times are a little different and the traditions are a little bit different. That's probably okay. And, you know, Dion's going to sort of bring in his own traditions and maybe those will live on beyond him or maybe it, it maybe it won't but the, the fight song will always be the fight song right and you know we'll, we'll see i guess we'll have to see if they they start singing it again i'll tell you what when when they play all eyes on me and he walks in dog that was insane watching little wayne literally watching little wayne rap as the team entered the tunnel was the most surreal CU memory I've ever had, including all the touchdowns I scored. <laughs> like any, like nothing, nothing compared to that moment. Just and I was on the sidelines for him. Just like, what WTF? Like, are you kidding what me right now? Like, right now. <laughs> my, this has to be a dream. Like, there's just, there's just not. This is not reality. It's just not. All right. So look, I'm going to end on this one, and this is more of a broad football question as we move out of the 14 playoff. Uh, my my most fond memory of you other than the catch down the sideline against CSU in the rain that set us up for that winning score in 03 was that same year when we went to Florida state and Greenberg floated you one down the middle and you ran away from the entire state of Florida. Um, <laughs> at, and that look, they beat the shit out of us that day. That was a very sobering moment in all of our lives, but Florida State finishes undefeated this year. There's only four teams in the playoff. I got to get your opinion on this. Texas beats Alabama in Tuscaloosa. An undefeated Power 5 champ doesn't get in. I was on a team in college that I thought deserved the right to play for the national title and got fucked. How, man, being in, like working for the Pac-12 network as long as you did and everything you do and how ingrained you are in this game, bro, I think it's a it's a bad look. I'm not saying they got it wrong. I'm not saying Alabama wouldn't smoke Florida State right now, but don't you want to don't you want to play that? Like, why can't they go to six teams this year just to like be cool? We can't like amend a contract somewhere. It really bothers me. It really bothers me as a fan because they're yeah, they're man. stealing they're stealing history that was supposed to be written that isn't. And and I'll just give you an example that hopefully most can relate to. Remember when the New England Patriots were undefeated and they were about to have the first undefeated season since the Miami Dolphins yes. many decades ago. And do you remember the Giants that ended up beating them? You know, Do you remember how they snuck into the playoffs with like almost a 500 record? They were like the last ones on. And if you had a freaking committee that said, we're only going to take four teams to the NFL you know, in the NFL playoffs, the Giants would have, wouldn't even been the Florida States. They would have been like middle of the road. And so you're, you're getting rid of these Cinderella stories that we see in March Madness. We're getting rid of these Cinderella stories that you see in, in every single level of, of sports at the professional leagues. It's a joke. It's pathetic. Whoever thought a four-team playoff was a good idea when you have 130 teams Um <laughs> Missed the miss. I don't know what they were smoking that day. Like it, 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 this one really bothers me because those kids at Florida State, and by the way, other teams as well, deserve a chance to hold up that trophy at the end That's of the season. Cool. And fans like you and I and all we're getting robbed, robbed 
uh, of those experiences, and those kids are getting robbed of, of what they they rightly deserve. I think it's a joke. Well, imagine if they would just look. I know they won't do this because there's contracts and blah blah blah. But the Peach Bowl should just be another playoff game, bro. Like that game, the Georgia Florida State game is going to be so lame because, or it'll be awesome because you'll have a bunch of guys playing in it that probably weren't going to play. One of the two, but it's like all the superstar kids that are going to get drafted aren't going to play. There's nothing to play for. How do you feel about the kids sitting out now? I mean, Drake May's sitting out. If you're not playing in the playoff, hell, he's in the playoff. I would sit out too. What's the significance of a bowl? Why would you play? What's the the whole team should sit out so that they end this crazy, stupid system of what, what's a bowl game anyway? Like it's gotta be a playoff. I think they should strike. Is this the time to do it? I would do it, but, but you know, we, we need more entrepreneurial thinkers at the NCAA. We need more entrepreneurial thinkers as presidents of universities. We need more entrepreneurial thinkers as ADs and head of conferences. There is, it is stuffy. It is archaic. These people are dinosaurs. They're stuck in the past. They can't get in, get out of their own way, and they just have terrible ideas. So you just need a whole new wave of leaders who are entrepreneurs, who can think dynamically, who can think creatively, and adjust in real time to to the, the, the situations and needs of the organization because these they just can't. All right, last question. <clears throat> Colorado Buffaloes are moving back to the Big Twelve, our old stomping grounds. Conference is very different, but I think with Texas and Oklahoma and Nebraska and Missouri and all these people that aren't AM and all these folks that aren't there when we were there and see you coming back with Coach Prime. They've already got, you know, an outstanding recruiting class. It's ranked in the top 30. It's only going to go up. Coach Prime in, in Texas, I think that's a problem for the rest of the Big 12. I, you know, I'm hearing, all I keep hearing from this man is he's not going to leave and he's going to stick around Colorado, blah, 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 which I believe. Next year alone, I think that they're a much improved bowl team. Where do you see them going next year and the years after with the Big 12 and the easier schedule and the ability, in my opinion, brother, to go in and absolutely run that conference? I, I think it's I think it's you know great move. Let's also not forget uh additional contributions that Coach Prime brought to the University of Colorado at the time the Pac 12 was falling apart. If he's not the coach and we're a one-win team, I don't believe the Big 12 takes us. I really don't. If we don't, if we don't have the buzz that he brought, and we were this one-win team that was super irrelevant for, that we have been for many, many years, we're probably stuck in no man's land, and we're not in the Big 12. I don't think the Big 12 takes us. I, I truly believe that. So, so the reason that Mountain West with Washington State and Oregon State, exactly where we'd be. Oh, we would God. be in the Mountain West. Oh, we would be in the Mountain. West. Oh, oh, I love him so much more so right t- now. Yeah, I mean, timing. And, and it's his stomping ground. I mean, he, you know, he's lived in Texas. You got UCF in Florida. His ability to recruit inside the Big 12, I think, is an advantage because that's his stomping ground. That's that's the location that he knows. Those are the kids that, that, that he knows. And I think those kids want to play in a conference where their parents can sort of go to games and be close, um, you know, from a regional perspective. I think as it relates to the competition, I don't, I don't, I don't think he cares. I don't think the team cares. I, I don't think that the, the conference is going to pre- predicate the record. I, I think the preparation, the players, the the game plans, the the work, like they, they want to line it up against anybody. Like they don't care. Like 
put us in the SEC, put us in the Big Ten, but it doesn't matter where we play. We're going to go dominate and, and, and we're, we're, we're going to take care of business. And so I think that's how they're thinking about it. But to your point, there's a bunch of teams that left. You, you noted all of them. And so I, I think I, I think it's going to be a, a great opportunity for Colorado to be very relevant in the contention uh, conversation. I also want to touch on one point that you made that you said that you don't think he's going to leave. I know what he says on TV and, and, and I know he says all the right things and he has to because recruits, we've already heard recruits who have decommitted because they say he won't be here. That's the only reason they decommitted because they don't think he's yeah. going to be here. That's so he's got to say, he's got to say these things. He, he, there's no other choice to say them. I, I say until there's a long-term deal signed and he's willing to sign it, I would never go as far as to say that he won't leave. And I don't know if that means next year. And I don't know if that means when Shador and, Shiloh leave that that he's going to sort of do something else, but I I would benchmark that at least at 50-50 at this point uh, because there's no long term deal signed, and as I understand it, partially because he doesn't want to sign a long term deal, um, and so you know it's something I you know I think I'm paying attention to, but at the same time like I coach myself and I'm like just enjoy it while it lasts. Who cares? Like just enjoy this moment because he's here and I'm loving it. You're loving just, just enjoy it. Cause nothing's forever. And if it means that's two years, that's 10 years, like just enjoy the moment. But I don't know, man, I, I don't put a lot of stake in what any coach says uh, at a press conference about how they're going to stay. How many times have you seen coaches go up in a press conference and say, I'm going to be the coach here next year. And they leave well, happens all the time. Tucker do it to my face at, a, at an event. And then that son bitch was gone by midnight. So <laughs> No, Tucker, uh, Nick Saban, and the Dolphins. I mean, you, the, the, it goes part. on and on. Yeah. So. The great Jeremy Bloom joins us here on Zero to 60. Brother, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I cannot thank you enough for your time and all you do, uh, not only for the University of Colorado and the football program, but just in general uh, for, for the sports community and everybody out here in Colorado. We love you, uh, and I will see you soon, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Have fun on the slopes. Are you are you going to go up and start skiing here pretty soon or what? Yeah, man, pretty soon we're getting some good snow up there. So I look forward That's to getting nice. on some of the holidays. And always a pleasure to see you, man. You know how much respect I have for you, for everything you do for kids in the community, the kids that you coach, you, your influence on the game. And you're just such a, you know, um, one of my most favorite teammates to ever share a locker room with. I don't know if I've ever been around a more inspirational guy in a locker room. So you know how much I appreciate yeah. you. And, and uh, keep it up, man. Happy holidays, everybody. And we'll, we'll chat soon. You know, Merry Christmas, brother. Love you. Okay. See you. Bye. And that was uh, one hell of an episode on Zero to 60. I cannot uh, thank my friend uh, and brother Jeremy Bloom enough for coming on the show. I will definitely be cutting up a bunch of that and, uh, and, and, and posting it all over social media. Make sure you follow him on all of his different platforms. He had a lot to say. Uh, that, that part at the end talking about coaches, uh, Coach Prime's guaranteed contract, and he doesn't know if he wants to sign it. Boy, that's... Whew, people are going to run with that shit. That's for damn sure. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, enjoy Wild Last, man. It's what it is. Um, look, I really appreciate all you guys being on the show and, and watching and listening. Uh, I know I can be a little contentious at times, but that's why you listen. I mean, this isn't the nice guy show, so that's good. Uh, might be a dumb question, but do you all think Coach Prime will eventually lose the passion of coaching if his kids gets drafted? No. I, you don't lose the passion for coaching. I, as a guy who has a kid uh, that I get to coach every day, uh, that I'm about to go pick up from school and go straight back to the facility, you don't lose it. It just grows even deeper because you want to see your your babies do well. 
Uh, and, you know, I, Coach Prime is the head coach, but he's also Shador and Shiloh's dad. And, and he's, you know, he's going to put them in the best position to be successful. So uh, understand the difference between criticism and hate. Understand the difference between love and entitlement and, uh, and, and you know, latching onto a bandwagon. So uh, when you're the wheels of the bandwagon, you can't latch on. Just remember that. Uh, I really appreciate everybody watching and listening. We'll be posting this up as we go. And uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m., we'll be back on talking about this Thursday night horse shit that we're about to watch tonight <laughs> and whatever else we can uh, ponder up tomorrow morning as we get into uh, a great weekend of pro football. Bowl games are starting. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll see. And also, the NBA refs, if you kick out Nikola Jokic again, I'm coming to see your punk asses because I have money on these games, motherfucker. And every time you kick big man out, you fuck up my parlay because it all revolves around him. He didn't say anything, but what kind of call is that, you son of a bitch ref? It's like in every single sport, the refs are just the worst ones. If you if your kid wants to be a ref, do, do you let him? Like, do you encourage that dream? If your kid wants to be a ref and he goes, dad, I want to be a ref. What kind of ref, son? I want to be a fucking MLS ref. Ugh, that's the worst. A soccer ref. Like cards and thumbs and shit. Do you let him? I'm so glad I've got eaters and not fucking beaters. <laughs> Telling you what, dog. My kids can't be fucking refs. Uh-uh. You ain't gonna be no fucking ref, dog. If I, you want to be an NFL official, ugh. You wanted to be an NFL official because I was too small to play college football. Well, that's fine, but you don't have to be. I think that might be Ben Sandoval, my friend Ben Sandoval. Is that Ben Sandoval from Niwat? Because if that is, if that's Sandoval, that's you weren't too small to play college football. You were a bad motherfucking linebacker. You kicked a lot of people's asses. I watched you out there balling, motherfucker. You weren't too small. We just played at Niwot. They only saw me because I went to a camp and kicked the shit out of some big son bitch. Well, Sandoz in the house. Hur, hur, hur. That's right. The fucking pride. The pride and tradition of Niwot will uh, only in be entrusted to the timid of the week. Uh, yeah, they're good. In 2000. <laughs> No, I'm telling you, though, back in Niwa, we had a crew. We never made the playoffs, but we had a crew. We had some dudes. Doucette and Sando, Mike Purcell, that was a bad motherfucker right there, big defense man. Gabe Amaya, good-ass quarterback. He juked me so hard one day with a fake pitch, I, like, almost fell over. He never – he still talks shit to me about it. Travis Hegwood, badass running back. Yeah, I'm talking about Niwa high school football. What? What? Talk about whatever I want. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go now. Um you guys have a good day. I appreciate 127 eyes on it. Not one of them looking left. Peace.